0: Uh, I want to just remind you of what David mentioned about reading through Psalms. You know, they saved the explanation of the technical stuff for me, you know, because I'm so... Right, Dave? You just get on your phone and you find that little church app and you refresh it. And then you pull up a little picture that says, Praying the Psalms, and you push that button... And it's going to uh, give you a little schedule about how to uh, read, or reading the Psalms, how to read through the Psalms uh, in 31 days. Okay, that do good enough, Dave? All right. So, there you go. On your phone. Right. Yeah, it's amazing what, everything you can find on here now, right? Okay. Now, take your Bible. Whether it's on your phone or not, and uh, turn to Luke chapter 24. You know, one time I had to kid Trent a little bit back when he was here, visiting with one of the first times he ever preached here. We were sitting on the front row, and he had his iPad, and I said, "Oh man, that's pretty cool." He's, he's scrolling through his sermon. He's like, he leaned over and he said, uh, uh, "He said, I'll, I'll show you how to how to preach from this one day." And so I said, "Good," and I, I took my Bible and I said, "I'll show you how to preach from this one day." <laughs> And uh so uh uh but uh no there's a there's a great place. Aren't you glad that technology even like this, you can just carry your Bible with you everywhere you go. What a great blessing. Right. Luke chapter twenty four, we're gonna wrap up the book of Luke. Uh you know, I do wanna say before we get into the text how much I appreciate this church being a praying church. Um I got a call early one morning recently. And it was from Rick. And uh, they were uh, on the way to the hospital, already been at the hospital, were on the way to Dallas or to Fort Worth for their grandson. Little Lane had been born, had some struggles, some some strokes. And so it was just a brand new baby there in the house. I can't imagine, you know, I... I remember worrying about mine when they were finally born. It took a little time to get in. But when, I remember when Christian was born, walking up, looking, checking to see are they breathing and, and are there any sounds you're not supposed to hear, those kind of things, right? And of course, you know, I mean, we kind of worried about everything. Of course, when Josh came along, we just turned the fan up on high and, you know, he was fine. So you learn kind of what's normal, what's not. But all of a sudden, when you see something that's not, you recognize, hey, we got to appeal to the Lord here, and you guys did, and that little that little baby is doing great, right, Shelby, and Rick. Thank you for praying for that baby. He uh, he went home, and so we are so grateful uh, for that good news because uh, uh, there was a little anxiousness in the house there for a little while, right. Uh, So I appreciate that so very much. Uh, Well, Luke chapter 24. There's a a couple of guys traveling down a road, and they have this encounter with Jesus. And uh, uh, they're, they're kind of a sad little crew. Not only are they sad, but there's a whole group of disciples gathered up in Jerusalem. That's a sad group, too. So let's do a little bit of work in this text uh, this morning. You remember earlier from last week we talked about the death, bone, and resurrection of Jesus and the gospel and especially the cross and what happened. Uh, and now all of a sudden they're discovering that the tomb is empty and the, the, the women have been there and Simon's run up there and seen it. And yet they still haven't settled in with people about what's going on. Now that's on the. Uh, that's on what we call Easter Sunday, right? It's on that day, and uh, uh, first day of the week, and now there's some folks walking on the seven mile trip from Jerusalem to Emmaus. So verse 13 of Luke 24, let's do a little reading. Now, that same day, what day? Well, the day the women ran to the tomb, the day he was raised, the day all that happened, right? That same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, and actually the word's a little stronger there in their original language, it's actually they battered back and forth as they were considering all the things that happened. Uh, Jesus himself came up walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him, so they, they, they didn't know who he was. And he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, and their faces downcast. They were sad. One of them, named Calippus, Ask him. By the way, this name is over, I think, in John 9. uh, I think it's 9 or 19. Just read the whole book of John. It's in there. Uh, And he's the husband of someone called Mary. And so some people think this was actually a couple, a husband and wife walking on this road. Others just two men. But regardless, just throw that in. Tick in your humbox there. Cleopas, ask him. Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? Basically, he says, are you kidding me? How can you be around and not know what's going on? What things, he asked? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He's a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped... Past tense, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to set Israel free, or some say to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but but him they did not see. And he said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So let's just talk about that section. We'll read a little bit more in a minute. So these folks with a downcast spirit are downcast for some reasons. They're sad because they have the wrong expectations and in their mind the wrong agenda of what Jesus was going to do as he comes. They recognize he was from God. They recognize his power. They recognize the great things he'd been doing. So they had part of the story right from Scripture. They'd read their Bible enough to know some of this stuff. But all of a sudden, even though if you go back uh, into several of the Gospels, especially Mark chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10, you see where he had told a group of disciples exactly what was going to happen. And he, matter of fact, in one of the versions in Mark, he says, I wanted to make it... uh, 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 clear that he was going to die and be raised from the dead. He couldn't have said it anymore. But they still didn't get it. Somehow or another, they still didn't put it all together. So they're downcast because their expectations of the kingdom of God was wrong. They missed it. Now, They missed it, and they had a lack of understanding of their Bible. And they were slow of heart to believe. Even though they had the testimony of the Scriptures, they also had the testimony of people who had been to the tomb that day and saw it empty. They had told them, yet they still didn't get it. Now, verse 27, the Bible says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He takes them on a little Bible study. He sits down and he goes through all the prophets and and explains what was said about him. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open. So first he opens their Bible, now he opens their eyes. And they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Now you see me, now you don't. Wow, what a moment. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the Scriptures to us? So they got up and they returned once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them and they assembled them together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And while they're still talking, they're still telling the story about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. So not only are they downcast because they have some wrong expectations and a lack of understanding scripture. And they're a little bit slow, hard to believe. Jesus takes their Bible and teaches them and opens it up and shows them about who He really is. And then when they recognize Him, they're moved all of a sudden to turn around that seven mile journey and go back. And they get in there with the other disciples. And they're they're opening their mouth now. They're telling the good news. Hey, this thing is real now. They went from sadness to gladness just like that. They had this encounter with Jesus. Then look what up the other guys happened with them. Jesus says, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? By the way, have you ever asked yourself that question? Why am I worried about some stuff and why am I doubting junk? Why do I let that arise in my mind? Then he says, look at my hands and my feet it is I myself. Touch me and see. And see, a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as, as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while he was still there, uh, uh, while they still did not believe because of joy and amazement, he asked them, "Do you have anything here to eat?" And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. And he said to them, "This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled." That was written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and Psalms. Which we're going to get to next week, right? Then the Bible says he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what was written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations Beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but you stay in the city until you have been clothed with power on high. And when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. And then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God so now this group of way more than the two now are gathered up and they're having a problem too now here's, what, here's kind of the thing that kind of gets me about this uh, the two on the road are discouraged they think they don't have any hope because they really don't understand what he was going to do they had a wrong idea about the kingdom Uh, By the way, have you ever held any biblical beliefs that led you to be hopeless? Just kind of think about that one. Have you ever had a partial doctrine, because you didn't understand all of it, kept you in a situation where you were always bewildered or sad or discouraged because you really didn't understand the total picture of the gospel that's where they were and then when they get with these other disciples they're the same way now, here's what I like about this. I don't like that they were discouraged, and I don't like that they were disillusioned and, 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 and that they didn't understand. But what I do like about it is that they're weak and struggling people that he gives the great commission to that go in all the world with the gospel. He uses these kind of people, and when I see their weaknesses and I look at my own weaknesses and my own mess-ups, I think, you know what? There's hope for me, right? There's hope for me. And all of my lack of understanding all the Scripture sometimes, for sure, because I'm just telling you right now, I don't know everything in this book. And if you find some guy that claims he does, stay away from him. I was telling somebody one time, that not only uh, uh, was it a great day when I discovered that grace covered my bad behavior, it was also a tremendous day when I finally understood that grace covered my bad theology. That I don't know everything just right. But as Jesus guides me through the Bible, through what is written in the Old and New Testament about who He is, when I discover who He is, and the message He has for everybody else, all of a sudden, hope and confidence come into play then, very strong in my heart. Not because of me at all. Only because of Jesus. Jesus. These guys on this road, these two guys, or a guy and a girl, I don't know, two disciples, they saw him, didn't recognize him, they learned from him, he opened their eyes, they see him and recognize him, and then they see him again. Is there anybody in here that had to have a second look at Jesus? Anybody in here like me, when I was 10 years old, I knew I didn't want to go to hell. I didn't know a lot, but I'd heard enough from the church I went to I did not want to be lost. I didn't want to be lost. And I remember talking to the preacher. Because we went to church all the time. I had some religion in me. That's kind of like these two guys. They had a lot of Bible. And I wanted to be baptized. And I was. Now, in my family at that particular time, my... uh, Later on, my dad was not a Christian and went to church, and my mom was and didn't go. Just a little dysfunction going on there. I remember when I was baptized and I sat beside my dad at church, and I was thinking I dread the communion part because now all of a sudden I'm going to do something he doesn't do. I'm not going to be like him anymore. That bothered me. is that strange what goes through a kid's mind? I really wanted to be like my dad in a lot of other ways, but then, you know. And so I, I try to do some decent things and try to live pretty decent, but then all of a sudden as I got older, I got off track. And had my own road of, of rebellious thought. Not, I, I never quit going to church. By the way, sometimes you hear people say that. Well, well how, you can't live like that and go to church. But, oh, oh, yeah, you can. I, I did it, you know. I, it was real simple. And my, all the little old ladies at church thought I was the greatest thing in the world. Because they knew me on Sunday morning, but they didn't know me on Saturday night. And so as I got away from God in my mind as well as some of my actions, the story I heard all my life and knew by heart all of a sudden became real to me one day. As Gary Stevenson and some others sat down and were sharing with me about how Jesus can change your life and We're going through the same information I had read all my life. But the difference was, it wasn't about intellect. It's not about information. It's about transformation. Then I remember one night, after... uh, Arkansas State University was where I was going to college after we had been to Memphis, Tennessee to play the University of Memphis. Beat them that night, by the way. Anybody cares for wins and losses. We had the longest winning streak in the nation that year, 1975. And after the ball game, everybody does what a lot of people do after ball games. Everybody went out, got drunk, started drinking, living wrong. Yet I had this battle inside me back and forth because people have been, good people have been sharing with me. And then all of a sudden I'm in this situation. We're riding home that night, or early that morning actually, and I'm praying, God, please don't let us have a wreck. Please don't let something happen because I know I would go to hell. No doubt in my mind, I was rebellious. And I was scared. Sometimes it's a good thing to be scared. Got back in my apartment. I went in. I cleaned up. I got my Bible, and I got in my car, and I was the first one on the parking lot of that church that morning in Jonesboro, Arkansas. And I sat out there and I waited for everybody to come. And when Gary and our student center guy, Ron, got there and I visited with them and we studied and I thought. And I went home that afternoon and thought about the whole thing again. And then we went down to that building. And I was baptized into Christ. Someone said, I thought you were already baptized. I was. I I, I don't know that I... Do I look back now, I don't know that I needed to redo that again. But I just know I wanted to make a turn. I, I, it's, it's where I call you make the turn. I had information. I had some parts of the Scriptures in my life, but I hadn't really made the turn to be a disciple. And when I went home that night... I walked in that apartment and I told my roommate, he said, why are you wet? And I said, let me tell you. And I just shared the gospel with him. Then all that happened, then all I wanted to do was just share the gospel and let what happened to me happen to somebody else. You see, that's what these disciples did. They were struggling people. They were doubting their own situation. They were doubting the story even told them. But they had some religion in them. And finally, through through seeing who Jesus really was and his body that was out of that grave, the resurrection, an empty grave, gave empty hearts... Solid confidence because hope was born in their lives. From time to time, I find myself losing that zeal or that fire. Do you ever like that? A lot of times that's why New Year's comes days where we... Set goals of I'm going to read my Bible all the way through this year. How many have ever set? How many have ever had that goal? By the way, just go ahead and raise your hand. How many of you ever said I'm going to read? How many of you uh, failed at doing it that time? Besides me, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, like I started. I'm going to read my Bible this year all the way through. You know, and I, I mean, I've read Genesis so many times. I, I'm like this year. I'm just going to start in Exodus. You know, because. And we kind of need that kickstart again. Then I realized, you know what really gives me that? As a re-examining of who Jesus is. And this idea of what he said that repentance and forgiveness of sins would be preached. To all the world. He said, I'm going to give you the power of the word to do it. I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. And I'm going to give you the encouragement of the brothers in the community together to do it. That's why over, all of a sudden over when you get to the book of Acts, you see that they're preaching in Acts 2.32. They said they're preaching that this Jesus was raised from the dead and we are witnesses. Now all of a sudden they're fully proclaiming with confidence the very story that they doubted seven weeks earlier. Don't think your life can't turn around in seven weeks or in seven days or in seven hours or in one moment. When you hear the powerful story of the grace of God... Through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Repentance has to be preached. That means make a turn. Make a turn. And forgiveness of sins. That means I've been set free from the past sins, present sins, and sins to come. Forgiveness. Forgiveness grace and God says in the book of Micah, I'm going to hurl those into the deepest part of the ocean to get those sins out of your presence and out of the presence of God I don't want to see them anymore God says in his word I remember them what no more man I wish I had a memory like God's I don't want to remember mine, which I'm pretty good at doing. I don't want to remember yours, which I'm pretty good at doing that too. Instead, my focus can't be on me and my weaknesses. But like, like John sang in one of the songs, it's in Christ that we have the strength, right? Right? Weak, broken people. Famous French artist, Paul Gauguin, back in 1897, while living in Tahiti, painted this painting. And he normally didn't write on his paintings other than to sign them. But on this one particular painting, up in the left-hand corner, he wrote, Where do we come from? what are we where are we going that man right after painting that and writing those words tried to take his own life ended up a pretty sad situation his part he never really understood those questions he was asking he was searching Where do we come from? The creator of the universe. God made you. What are we? Broken people. Saved by the blood of Jesus. You're valuable because of the price paid for you. And where are we going? We're going to heaven. Amen, Kurt. We're going to heaven because of an empty tomb. The same story the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Don't let it get so familiar it gets old in your heart. No mold should grow on the story of Christ, keep it fresh. Keep studying about who Jesus is. Get a second view, a third view, a good look at who He is over and over again. For He loves you, and He loves me, and He died that I could be set free. Don't let it get old. It's just like, like, like my friend David Watson says. If you miss heaven, you miss it all. And I don't want anyone in this room, and the sound of my voice, to miss heaven. And I don't want to miss it either. And I only have confidence because, not because of me, not because I believe the right thing, not because I live right, not because I can do a bunch bunch of things right or wrong. It's not that. I only have hope because of the blood of Jesus. But that story, that powerful story still changes people's hearts. A guy asked me one time, I said, Mike, I've got a guy I'm working with, he, he's, an, he's an atheist, he doesn't believe in, in, in God, he doesn't believe in the Bible. He said, what, 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 what would you share with him? I said, the gospel. He said, yeah, but he doesn't believe it. I said, it doesn't matter. There's power in the story of who Jesus is and what he's done for mankind. Share that with him. It has the ability to reach into a man's heart and prick it and change it and shape it and cause a person to believe who never believed before. You say, well, I'm really, I've really been down this year, I haven't really been fired up for God. What, what, do you, what what's, Would you have me read the gospel? Let the same story of the power of Jesus re-prick your heart and move you again to say that there's nothing more important in life than understanding who Jesus is. And you can move from sadness to gladness to proclamation just like these guys did. And God will use you. But if I, I've seen Him use you and He continues to use you to impact the world around you. Salt and light. Need light for a dark world? And we live in a pretty dark one. Well, I don't really have anything else to say to you. I just want to try to make sure my heart stays open continually to Jesus. Uh, I want to be humble because it's so easy for pride to come in and make us think. We can be critical of others. We can have the answers. We can all of a sudden lay things out. No, you know what? I'm really just a, a bewildered disciple, half the time struggling, not really understanding myself, and then I have to refocus that it's not about me, it's not about talent, it's not about church, it's not about that. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Who's it about church? Jesus. Who's it about? Jesus. Who's it about? Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Father in heaven, we love you. We know we're weak and like the early disciples, we don't understand everything your word says. We need to keep digging in it. And Father, like them, we've seen Jesus before and sometimes we forget and it doesn't, we don't allow his story to move our hearts anymore we don't want to be like that either but like jeremy said we we need those new mercies every day please help me to have my heart repricked by this powerful story of your love for me and the hope that we have in an empty grave thank you father For the powerful news of the gospel. May we keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus. Help us not to lose the simplicity, the power, or the commitment that this good news calls us to. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, We have something at this church at the end called an invitation. You can come as a family. We just pray with each other regardless of what it is. If you want to be baptized in Christ and start all over again, hey, we already had a couple earlier before church that were baptized. And uh, as they say, come on in. The water's fine, right? But it's all about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. If He had not been the Lord of your life, Don't walk out of here tonight without making the Lord your life. You want to talk about how to wait to to end a year and start a new one? Jesus is Lord. That's the way to end a year, and that's the way to start a new one. Come while together we stand and sing.